I've been uh, teaching, it uh, seems like, forever on the subject of prayer. This is actually the 12th lesson. I started at the first of the year, actually the first Sunday of the year. We've had a guest speaker or two, and then I spent several weeks, you know, talking about the uh, issues that we face with this uh, corona shutdown thing. But other than that, I've, I've taught on prayer. And, uh, you know, my title for this is Prayer is Your Place of Safety in 2020. And really, you know, let me, I, I just wrote this down last night at the very top of my notes. Regardless of how much money you make or how ed- educated you are, what kind of job you have or influence you have in culture, you will be at a tremendous disadvantage in your future if you do not know how to pray effectively. Now, that's one thing. Everybody prays. But you know what? To pray effectively is another thing where it makes a difference in your life. And in this series, I really want to show how you can I can be effective in your prayer life, not religious in your prayer life. You can effectively meet God, have a personal connection with the Lord that makes a, a vibrant difference in how you live every day. Um, I've walked with God all of my adult life. I was almost 18 when I came to the Lord. And I knew only knew religious things about prayer. And all, over all of these years, I'm into my 44th year of walking with God. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to pray when I first met Him, but... You know, you hang out with somebody and they start rubbing off on you. And God's, I'm, I'm not perfect yet. I've got a long way to go. But God's been rubbing off on me all these years. And this prayer thing is really, I don't know anything that's affected my life more than the Word of God other than prayer. It's prayer and the Word. The Word and prayer. It's made so much difference. So we talked about a number of things about prayer. Jesus' prayer life. Why we should pray. Spent the last number of times that we've been on this subject talking about the different kinds of prayer. Again, Ephesians 6.18, New International Version. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And uh, so again, there are different kinds of praying. And let me also say, if you, if you haven't heard what I've shared before, uh, it's all on the website. We have MP3, which is audio, MP4, which is video. Also, my notes are on the website. You need two apparatus if you want to uh, look at my notes and just watch. So, you know, with one, go to our website, click on notes. My notes are there for today. And then uh, with the other, you can watch the uh, broadcast here. So nonetheless, I uh, encourage you to do that. And uh, so we've talked about, the, I've, I found at least eight ki- different kinds of prayer. And uh, so I'm going through those one at a time. We've talked about the prayer of faith, which is primarily for yourself. We've talked about the prayer of consecration which is relinquishing our, my personal control of life. We've talked about the prayer of supplication, which is more or less is praying for others. The prayer of intercession we've talked about, which is taking another's place in prayer between them and the Lord. And then uh, we've talked about the prayer of agreement and united praying. When your faith needs a boost, get somebody to agree with you. And then there's power in united praying. Then last Sunday, uh, we talked about the prayer of worship, where really it keeps our focus on the Lord. We're encouraged again in First Thessalonians to, to pray without ceasing. Well, how can you do that? Have an unconscious attitude of communion with God all day long. You know, it's really odd. I've had these things happen over and over throughout the years. Susan, I'll be in the car and I'll just start talking. I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. And she's right. She's what? Uh, I said, well, I wasn't talking to you. You know, you just get so accustomed to talking to him. That, that sometimes you say it out loud and people might, you know, think, who are you talking to? Well, you know, you can get there. And, you know, the idea is become conscious of God. And, and this, this worse prayer of worship is one way you can connect with the Lord all the time. Always have a song in your heart. Always have a melody going because it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. Today, I want to hone in on praying in the Spirit. And that's, that's praying beyond your own knowledge. Now, now I've I got to set the stage for this. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a tremendous way to pray. Through praying in the Spirit, uh, God gives us a means of prayer where we pray beyond our limited knowledge and we're enabled to, what says, pray the perfect will of God about anything in life or any person that we're involved it, with, uh, in. So uh, God gave me, uh, years ago, gave me this analogy, you know, when my kids were little, we bought, well, you know, there's little kiddie pools, and now we got grandkids, and we bought this little kiddie pool, you know, you stick it on the deck, and you fill it, fill it with some water, and then your toddlers and such can splash around, get water on you, and water on them, and throw it around, and all this, a lot of fun. So you got a little kiddie pool. So contrast a kiddie pool. So you could swim in a kiddie pool if you're like me, it doesn't help a whole lot. You can hardly get wet, but 
So you got a kiddie pool, or, or, or you got a great big ocean of water. So, so here's, the, here's the analogy. So, so I can pray, if I pray with my own limited understanding of life, of people, of circumstances, and the future, it's like praying in a kiddie pool of water, right? But if I'm praying in the Spirit, guess what I do? I, I, I jump into God's great big ocean of all-knowing, all knowledge, past, present, future, circumstances, people, situations. That's the difference between praying in the Spirit and then just praying out of my head at all occasions. And I'm telling you, it makes a profound difference. Let me share a few things here that are quite personal for me. September 12th, 1976. Uh, I know that dates me really, really well. I was 17 years of age. So less than a month before I turned 18, it was a Sunday. I was uh, seeking the Lord. Uh, I had some personal, for me, tragedies in my life that hurt me and broke my heart. So I was a heartbroken young 17-year-old guy. I was in college. I finished school when I was 16. I was in college. I was working at a grocery store to put myself through school and stuff. And, and uh, a guy came up in the grocery store where I worked and uh, and he had this big cross around his neck and he invited me to a Bible school outing on a Saturday after work. I got off of work early that day and went for the first time I had met what we term spirit-filled Christians. He invited me to church with him the next day there. They had a Bible school in the church and I went. And this young man's name was Steve. I went to the church the next day. First thing that happened to me uh, was I gave my life back to Jesus. i never forget and I don't know why I remember all these things this way. I smoked cigarettes up until then. I was just a young boy. But 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I threw my cigarettes out the window. I said, well, I don't need those anymore. I mean, I just rolled the window down. I know you don't litter. That's the only time in my life I think I've littered, ever. But I had to get those things away from me. I figured, chuck them out the window, and I won't see. And I didn't. I never, I never put another one to my lips, ever since then. And then that night, they had another, another service. And, um, and I went, and it was a charismatic church. That was all fresh and new in our city. We mostly only knew denominational churches, and oh my goodness, uh, I went to church, and they were worshiping the Lord, and you know, I lived out in the country, I'm a country boy, so I'm just not accustomed to some things, so right the fields around my house, we had corn, and some of the corn stalks were seven to eight feet tall, they were huge, and I remember I could go into the cornfield, and as a little boy, we'd go into the cornfield and play army, okay? And you could go hide and make a little maze through the corn and all that, you know? Well, well, when I listened to this, and when I got to the church service, I'm standing there with my friend who invited me to church, second time I've been to that church that morning and that night. And, that night. and then they're worshiping the Lord. Everybody's got their hands up like this. And I'm thinking, this is like being in a cornfield because you can't see anything around you. All I could see were hands, hands and arms. Like, this is weird. I didn't know what to do. Well, the guy got to preaching. It was the associate pastor. At the very end of the service, he said, he said, if you haven't received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you can receive that tonight. You can receive more of Jesus tonight if you want Him. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what that was. And, and my friend said, uh, Steve said, well, Mitch, don't you want more of Jesus? I said, well, well yeah, I do. I, I do. I went down, y'all, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And for the first time in my life, something happened to me. Every person, and we'll talk about it in a minute, that's baptized with the Holy Spirit will speak in other tongues. Now that, uh, yeah, what, what, don't turn it off yet. Wait, wait, wait. I was a Southern Baptist guy. I didn't know anything about this. My mother was Southern Baptist. My dad was a deacon in a Southern Baptist church. Just watch. Don't turn it off. Watch. My, deep, my dad was a deacon. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. My mother in a prayer meeting a year before, February of 1975, was praying with some Baptist ladies in a home. A Baptist prayer meeting with ladies. The Holy Spirit sovereignly fell on them and they, and they got baptized with the Holy Spirit and my mother changed. And she fell in love with Jesus in a brand new way. When he said, you want more of Jesus, my mind went back to what happened to my mother. Either she went cuckoo or God got a hold of her. And I found out God got a hold of her and rattled her and changed her. And you know, when he said, you want more of July, I went down, received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And along with the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes an ability to what we call pray in the Spirit. Several terms are synonymous. Pray in the Spirit, 
speaking in tongues, speaking in the unknown tongue, or speaking in other languages, or speaking in foreign languages. It's a language you've never learned by book learning. It's a language that comes spontaneously by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know, and listen, if you've never heard this, bear me, listen to, just listen. You're in your home now, just listen to me a minute. Uh, I've got some experience here. And uh, a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. So somebody could argue with me all day long that this is not real. I've got almost 44 years of experience in this. I've got something to share that can change your life dramatically. Let me share just, just a minute. Acts 2, verse 4. Acts 8, verses 14 through 16. It's all in the notes. Acts 10, 44 through 46. Acts 19, 1 through 6. Those are the places in the book of Acts where people receive this experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Any person that is born again is a prime candidate to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And with that experience comes the ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit or to pray in other tongues. And it's not just a one-moment thing, and it's not an emotional thing. I know around the Baptist, the Baptist would, would use the Greek term, glossolalia or glossolalia or whatever, and they would, however they pronounce the term, and say, well, that's just ecstatic utterance. These people are just in emotional exuberance and then in some kind of worked up or contrived emotional thing. Let me tell you something about praying in the Spirit. It has nothing to do with emotion. It produces emotion sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. When I got baptized with the Holy Spirit that night about 7.20 p.m., September 12, 1976, I prayed in the Spirit for the first time in my life, and there was absolutely no emotion to it for me. And I think God, different people, some people have ecstatic experiences where they're just crying and shouting. I didn't, and I think God did that for me because I would have become hooked on the feeling of the experience, and He wanted me to have the experience that was an enduring part of my life. So different people have different experiences with how they receive. Nonetheless, to receive is a really big deal. So um, again, praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives a language to you to talk to God when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to explain it as simply as I can. And uh, when I did that, it was a language that I had never learned. Um, and every day since then, I have spent time praying in the Spirit. In fact, this is the geeky part of me. I, I, I actually did the math. In my life, I have spent 15,936 days. Now, I must be old. Praying in the Spirit. Seriously, I take some time every single day. That's how many days it's been since September 12, 1976. And I promise you, every day, I, 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 talk, I, I pray and talk to the Lord. I pray with my mind, my intellect, but I also pray in the Spirit. And I want to talk to you about the enhancement that praying in the Spirit can bring to your prayer life. There, there, there is an element of communion and, and personableness and fellowship with God that you will not know without the baptism with the Holy Spirit. In fact, God, God commanded His disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit just before He ascended to heaven. And uh, wow, and He wanted them, before they went out to minister, He wanted them to be impacted by His power in their personal life and have that personal communion with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to finish with this subject today. I'll, I'll have to, next time I'll start back up. So I've got 10 things about praying in the Spirit that I want to talk to you about that will definitely enhance your prayer life. And I'll only get to three of them today. I'll give you some examples and such. But let's go through this because if you'll intertwine praying in the Spirit in your personal prayer life, um, there's just a phenomenal difference. It's really, it's really hard to put into words uh, what praying in the Spirit can do in your private prayer life and what dimension of fellowship it can place you into with your heavenly father and with the Lord Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to go right through this. Number one, and I've got three points here today that I want to cover. Number one, uh, I, as I've searched the scriptures and I've searched them back and forth for all of these years, um, it's, I, I believe this and I'll say this emphatically and I've had people I've had people almost give me spit baths in disagreeing with me. But I'm going to say what I believe. I absolutely believe it's the will of God for every believer 
to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and to pray in the Spirit every single day. It's not something that God singles up, uh, singles out just for a so chosen few. It's for everybody. In fact, Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38, he said, For the promise is unto you, your children, and then all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Lutheran, Church of God, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, Catholic, I don't care. If you name the name Jesus and you've been born again, God wants you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And He wants you to pray in the Spirit every single day. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, God's Word, is God's Word His will? The obvious answer is yes. How do you know my word by what I say? How do you know my will by what I say? My words or my will. God's word is his will. If you want to know God's will by something, don't, don't you know, wet your finger and stick it up in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. Go to the word and see what the word says. Then you'll know the will of God. That's how, that's the general will of God. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Now it's funny to me that, you know, you got the New Testament. All 27 books of the New Testament, you got a whole chapter dedicated to praying in the Spirit. Now, we believe in water baptism, we believe in communion, but there's not a whole chapter dedicated to water baptism. There's not a whole chapter dedicated to communion, but there's a whole chapter <laughs> dedicated to the improper and proper use of other tongues in the local church. Why? Because God didn't want us to mess up and and, and, you know, be confused about it. And there was some confusion in Corinth when the people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were coming to church and, and talking in that, in that unusual language that God gave them to talk to him in private. They were coming publicly to do that. And, and Paul said, wait, wait, you're going to confuse people. I don't preach and by, by using that language that I pray in the Spirit with. No, because you wouldn't understand me. That's what they were doing. So he made some comments. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. He said, I wish you all spake with tongues or in foreign languages, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies or speaks by, uh, by inspired utterance from the Holy Spirit is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Then 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He said, I thank my God, I speak in tongues, I speak in foreign languages more than all of you. But the next verse he said, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Most people that disagree with the, the fact that you can pray in the Spirit every day use this verse right here. And say, well, Paul took a very dim view of praying in the Spirit because he said, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I with my voice could teach others. Well, he's talking about the local church. He's not talking about your private prayer life. He's talking about church meetings where a bunch of people are there, where we're going to be filled with people one of these days again. Well, he didn't want us to come together and talk to, a, talk to each other in that language the Holy Spirit gives. He wants us to understand each other. But when we're talking to him, it's different. Get off by yourself. God has given you a communicable language that he, only he understands. Your arch enemy Satan doesn't understand it. Other people don't understand it. It's a personal language between you and God. And it will enrich and enhance your personal prayer life and change who you are as a person. It's amazing. So it's the will of God. Then other people say, well, the Bible says that not everybody's going to pray in tongues. Now where they take that from is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, the first 11, 12 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about gifts of the Spirit. There are nine of them. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, gifts of healings, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then there's prophecy, the nine spiritual gifts. And then he talks about the unity of the body of Christ, starting in verse 12 or 13 or so. And then he goes all the way to the end of the chapter. And then he makes this statement, are all prophets, apostles, are all prophets, are all evangelists, do all have gifts of healings, do all work miracles. Then he says, do all speak with tongues. See, he's not talking. Here's what people mess up. Listen. He's not talking about the tongue you receive when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit there that every believer should speak with in their personal, pri private, daily time with God. He's speaking there about the spiritual gift, different kinds of tongues. There is a spiritual gift. There's a different anointing that comes. We're, we're in, in a group of people and you can that language comes and then there's an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And then on the heels of that ability to pray in different kinds of languages comes the interpretation and it blesses everybody. 
And that's what he was talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. Not the fact that not every believer, that's not what he was saying. Was he saying not every believer is going to pray in tongues? No, what was he saying? Not everybody's going to be used in spiritual gifts along that line. But every believer can and should expect with the baptism with the Holy Spirit to pray and speak in other languages or in other tongues as the Scriptures calls it. Number two, my second point today, what does this do? What? Pastor, what are you talking about this today? I, I don't know. You say, well, I don't know you. And, you know, I've been liking your preaching. Why are you talking about this today? Because I want to share an ingredient, a nugget in my personal life. Y'all, I don't know what it's made me who I am today. I, I can't, I could never divorce myself forever from this because it's who I am. It's how I live my life. I, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not preaching from a book. I'm preaching from life here. So, Number two, what does praying in the Spirit do? It helps unseat the control of the unrenewed natural mind has over your spiritual life. It helps elevate the spirit above the mental you, the spirit you above the mental you. It helps unseat the control that the natural mind has over your spiritual life. Go back to the book of Genesis. Think about, think about Adam and Eve and how God first created them in Genesis chapter 3 particularly. You read that it seems that it was God's custom to come down in the Garden of Eden, a plush garden that God had, had planted for them, for Adam and Eve. And he would came, come down in the evening hours before the sunset and he would speak and commune with Adam and Eve. And, and they had great fellowship with God. So as was his custom, after Adam and Eve sinned, God came down into the garden. Adam, Eve, hey, where, 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 are, where are you? Suddenly things had changed. They always greeted God when He came down visibly to speak with them and they had great communion with Him, but this one day it all changed. Now what happened? What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Well, before they sinned, they, they related to God spiritually. And their spiritual life was at the forefront. So they were able to commune with God, you know, on His level. But when Adam and Eve, our, our parents, every human comes from Adam and Eve, that's you and me, when they chose to disobey God, there was a disconnection spiritually from God. And instead of the spiritual nature in us being at the forefront of life and living, uh, the spiritual nature was taken up and, and the mind, thoughts, reasoning, emotions, feelings, and then willpower took the place of the spiritual life. And, and they, they ascended and took the ascendancy over, their, over Adam and Eve's spiritual life. And, and so instead of being spiritual people, Adam and Eve became carnal people. And I'm a carnal person if I'm a person that only reasons and thinks. Listen, I'm a carnal person if I only feel and think. I'm a, a carnal person if I feel and I think, or you can reverse it the other way, I think, and then I feel, and then I make choices. I'll be a carnal person without the spiritual nature. And that's where a lot of people are today. You may be a believer. You say, well, I love Jesus, but I, I sure am having a hard time with my flesh. Well, friends, one thing that will enhance your ability to live above the flesh is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Because why? What it does is it enhances your personal ability to connect with the Lord on a very personal basis. God gives you a language that only He understands. And you can talk to Him and know that you know that you know you're saying everything you needed to say. Let me give you an experience. When I, when I first received the um, baptism with the Holy Spirit, I'd you know, go to my bedroom. I lived in my parents' home and I would shut the door. I'd read my Bible. I'd worked all day, usually 10 hours a day. And I'd gone to school or whatever as well. Either worked all day or worked and gone to school and then came home. Six o'clock or so at night, eat my supper, and then I'd retire to my bedroom, shut the door, and, uh, and I'd take my Bible out and read my Bible. And then I said, well, I'm going to pray for a little bit. And, and I did it every day, I pray. And, and, and you know, I had this experience that when I went to pray, I, I didn't know everything that I needed to say. And, and then when I prayed, you know, I just felt unfulfilled, like there's something I need to say, but I don't know how to express it. And, and then for me, I had this proverbial knot in my emotional knot right here. And it's just like I'm pent up with all this angst inside. And you know what? Throughout my life, I've met a lot of people who are pent up with angst inside. 
They got things inside that bother them, but they don't know how to talk about it. That was me. I was kind of amazed when I would read my Bible, then I would go to pray, and then have this little piece of carpet on the floor. We had hard floors in my house, I had a carpet in the middle. And I'd kneel down on that blue carpet, and I'd say, God, I, I really don't know what to say to you, but I'd say, I need you today, and I need you real bad. And I don't even know what I need. But, but I know if, if, if I've got a need, you can meet it. And I say, help me. I just say, help me. I'm a young man. I need you. And y'all, I begin to pray in the Spirit. And y'all, I don't even know what I was saying. But on the inside of me, as I was praying, I knew, I knew God loved me. I knew He cared about me. I knew that He would work all the problems in my life out. And I knew somehow there was a spiritual connection, even though my mind didn't know. I knew, I knew that I prayed about all this stuff inside me. And then through my life, I had experiences. Once I prayed that way, I find scripture that would talk to me about the needs in my life, about the things I was holding on to from my past, about the things that God so wanted to change about me. And I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't know how to talk to anybody. But God, my heavenly Father, Gave me a language that only he understands and knows. And when I talked to him in that language, I said everything I needed to say. And when I finished with that, I was at a place of peace. And I was at a place of rest. And I was at a place of, um, I don't even have a word to describe. Just knowing that I'm a cared for person. And I went all through my life. I just can't describe how much more real God is to me now than He was then. And I'm nowhere where I want, I'm not even where I want to be yet, but I'm, I'm going there. And you can be too. Praying in the Spirit will take you places you could never go without it. The baptism with the Holy Spirit will give you a connection and a closeness and an intimacy with the Lord that without it, my goodness, you just, you just won't get there. You know, with the new birth, our relationship with God is reinstated. It's in the notes here. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, there comes a heightened awareness of the spiritual life. And when you pray in the Spirit, here's what happens. It helps elevate our spiritual person above our natural mind, our natural emotions, and our natural will. I've had things happen to me in life that have just, you know, Upset me mentally with worry, with emotions that are out of control, flaming. And I didn't know what to do. But you know, when I get that place with the Lord and begin to pray in the Spirit, it's like He puts life in context. And you know, even though the problem's still there, you're going to be okay. That's the difference, y'all, that this can make. You may ask this, why wouldn't God now this, you know, so I know you're listening to me saying, really, really? You, you pray in a language you never learned? Yes. I wear it like a badge because it's changed my life. You say, well, that seems weird. You know, when I, this first happened to me, I thought this is really, really strange. Why in the world am I talking in a language that I've never learned? Why would God have me do that? That's a, a really valid question. I'm a thinker. I think very methodically. I was going to be an engineer. So, you know, when I think about something, I try to go, you know, I just keep riding the trail of thought on anything I'm thinking. And that's just the way my mind works. But I never have been able to figure out why in the world, God, are you having me talk to you in, in a language I don't even understand? And, and then I came up, I came up with this, um, that, that God thinks differently than we do. And, and that here's the, here's the problem with most believers. You come to Jesus, but guess, guess who's in a large way and mostly still in control of you? You are. You know, it's really hard to relinquish control of me to Jesus. Because that means somebody else is calling the shots. Somebody else is saying, don't do what you think. Don't do what you feel. Do what I said in my word. That's hard to do. And here's the, what I found out. With the baptism with the Holy Spirit, if you yield and, and allow the Holy Spirit to use you and pray in a language you didn't learn, it's telling your mind. Here's what it's telling. It's unseating the rulership that your mind has completely over your life. And it's beginning to elevate your spiritual nature. When you're praying in the Spirit, it's telling your mind, mind for right now, take a back seat. I mean, you don't lose control of anything, but you know what you do do? You, you quantify things and you put things in their place. 
And what it's done for me is my spiritual life has come where it needed to be, and that's first place. I don't make any choice, any decision, any plan, any conversation without first of all connecting with Him. And you know, if you learn to live that way, it unseats the control that your reasoning has over you, your emotions have over you, and your body has over you. It's an amazing thing. James 3, 2, listen to this. For, in all, uh, for, all, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone doesn't stumble in word, he's a mature man, a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. James said, if you can control your words, you can control your whole body. And he talks about a bit in a horse's mouth. And he talks about the rudder on the back of a ship that, that gives the, the ship direction. And the bridle gives you control of the horse. He said, your tongue gives you that kind of control or lack of control over your life. If you can't control your words, you'll never control your life. Control your words, you control your life. God controls your life. And then, and then Proverbs 18, 21, death and life, watch, are in the power of the tongue. That means words from the time we're born until the time we go to our grave and, or go, and go to heaven. Our body goes to the grave. Guess what? Our, our life is controlled by words. Whoa. Now, now what's this? What controls the tongue controls the life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, Proverbs says. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, God grabs a hold of our tree of life. And he says, wait just a minute. Let me get involved in your life. Let me get involved in your words. Start saying words that the Holy Spirit gives you that you don't even know. And you know what happens? God begins to control you. And he begins to, you start to say something you shouldn't say, and there's, and there's a, somebody inside says, don't say it. You start to do something you know you shouldn't, don't do it. You start to go somewhere you shouldn't go and be involved with somebody that you don't need to be involved with, and you can hear him on the inside. That is not good for you. Stop that. Don't go there. Boy, don't we wish we had had that wonderful person to speak to us with many of the things we've said and done in life, huh? Well, I'm telling you, with the baptism with the Holy Spirit and God beginning to control your words, if God can control your words, watch, God can control your life. So if you're out of control, here's what I sense as folk watching right now. You're, you're out of control. You're a believer, but you know what? For you right now, life is out of control. You know what I hear God saying? Let me in so I can take control. No, He won't, he won't force you. He won't coerce you, but if you'll lay your will at His feet, He can do amazing things with you. The baptism with the Holy Spirit enables you to lay yourself at His feet. And just like God came to Adam and Eve in the evening hours of the day, God will come into your life. So let me talk to you. You know, I was uh, something happened yesterday. I don't know what it was I was studying, but I was sitting in a chair. And I was reading my notes. I didn't even tell Susan. God began to speak to me. He hit me right here. And all the unsettledness I felt. I don't like this lockdown. I'm just telling you straight up. My personality, I've got a personality of a bull in a china closet. I want to make everything happen now. And see, God knows that about me. I can't help but weep because he spoke to me so kindly. And he let me know everything's going to be okay, Mitch. Just because you don't have your way right now, it's okay. It's okay. And I had a season of praying in the Spirit. Y'all, it, it just changes you. If it can change a stubborn, get-it-done person like me, it'll change you. It'll transform you. Praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, For you see your calling, brethren. Not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing to things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Now that's the God I serve. 
You know, it seems crazy to talk in a language you don't know. But you know what? It's an amazing God experience. It's an amazing way to commune with God. It's really spirit-to-spirit communion with a father like Adam and Eve had before they sinned. Y'all, it's just a really incredible experience. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned or understood. It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal God. And, and one enhancement of knowing God is being baptized with the Holy Spirit and the ensuing ability to pray in the Spirit or pray with the unknown tongue. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Amplified New Testament simply amplifies the original meaning of the Scriptures from the Greek language or Aramaic, whichever the case may be. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit. And helps nobody. So what he's saying there, when I'm praying in the Spirit, my spirit, and I like to amplify, by the Holy Spirit within me prays. And so you don't always know what you're praying about, but let me ask you a question. Is the Holy Spirit God? The obvious answer is yes. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yeah. Well, let me ask you another question. Does God know everything? Yes. Uh, so, if the Holy Spirit is God, and the answer is yes, and if God knows everything, then the next question, uh, does a person that knows everything about you, life, and all of its circumstances and people, does that person live inside of you? Yes. So, so if that person that knows everything about circumstances, people, the future, the past, everything about you, if he lives inside of you, if he gives you an ability to pray in a language he provides you, would he allow you to pray about things that you do not know that you need to pray about? The answer is yes. Do I need to pray that way? Yes. What happens when I do? I get out of my little kiddie pool of knowledge and I get into God's great big ocean of understanding. And life can be tremendous. And life becomes a journey. Life becomes a walk with God. How many hear me? Y'all, I mean, it's completely amazing. Number three today, and this is my last point today. You can tell I got a lot to say about the subject. Praying in the Spirit provides a way for you to pray about things that you don't know about. That's what I just said. Now listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. This is amplified. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue, or if that word, that term throws you just say he who speaks in a foreign language that he didn't learn mentally he who speaks in a foreign language he didn't learn mentally speaks not to men but God for no one understands or catches his meaning why because in the Holy Spirit now I love this phrase next next phrase here he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding so so uh, one translation says he speaks divine secrets another translation says he utters mysteries with his spirit but i like the amplified translation it says he utters secret truths what are secret truths there are things that are true and there are things that are real but they're not revealed to you so what does that how do you make that practical praying in the spirit you could be praying about family members and their future or the problems they're currently having. You could be praying about circumstances around you and, uh, and what's going to happen. You could be praying about, any honestly, anything in the world. I, I, I'll get into this later, but just let me say that you start first start praying in the Spirit, a lot of times God will have you pray, pray His will into manifestation in your life. My life should have never taken the direction that it took I'm not smart enough and wise enough to do the things God's had me do. But you know what I have done? I've been smart enough to yield to God and humble myself to Him and pray in the Spirit. And you know what happens? Watch this. If you'll pray in the Spirit every day, out of your prayer life, thoughts come. Out of your prayer life, things you need to do come up and they won't leave you alone. And it happens over and over 
and over. Why? Because when you're praying in the Spirit, it's your human spirit, the real you, the person that exits the body at death, goes up to be with Jesus if you're a believer. That person is praying. Your spirit person, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, is praying about things you don't know about. And you know what happens? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, let him who speaks in a tongue pray or ask that he may interpret. In fact, listen to Passion Translation of the verse I just quoted, 1 Corinthians 14, 13. So then if you speak in a tongue, pray for the interpretation to be able to unfold the meaning of what you're saying. For if I'm praying in a tongue, my spirit is engaged in prayer, but I have no clear understanding of what's being said. So here's what I've concluded. I'll pray with the spirit. I'll pray with my mind engaged. I'll sing rapturous praises in the spirit, but I'll also sing with my mind engaged. Let me give you another scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.11. Listen to this. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Now what does that say? In fact, I've got another translation, J.B. Phillips' translation that's in my head. For who can understand a man's inmost thoughts except the spirit of man himself? When I'm praying in the spirit, it's bringing up the inmost things about my life, the things that maybe my mind doesn't know. There are things in you that your mind doesn't realize are in you. They're placed there by God, placed there by the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the spirit, you're praying those things out. Let me give you some examples. Uh, February, I got all these dates in my head. I have no idea how they get there. I just remembered them. Susan and I had been married for six months, February 1980. I was a young man. I was 21 years of age. And uh, we were living at 305B Grace Drive, a little, just a little, uh, you know, a little apartment. And uh, she was in the kitchen. It was at night. She was cooking. And uh, I was in the bedroom. I was, I was sitting on the edge of the bed. I was tired because I worked all day. And I was sitting on the edge of the bed, and I just read my Bible a little bit, and I was just sitting there praying. And I would pray with my understanding in English, and I talked to the Lord, and then I said, Lord, and, and I just began to pray in the Spirit. And y'all, when I prayed in the Spirit then and, then, and then I sat there for a minute, Susan was still cooking, and I got quiet. You know what I heard? You need to go to Ramah. I said, huh? Well, I got in this magazine in the mail, and the first Bible, I'd already been to one Bible school. We met at Bible school, Susan and I. I'd already been to one Bible school, and I'd heard about Kenneth Hagin, and I, I knew he had an unusual ministry, and I knew that he had written a lot of books, and I knew he had a Bible school called Rhema Bible Training Center, and that's Rhema Bible College. And I had, I had actually gone to Tulsa a couple of years before with some Bible school friends and went to one of his big events in the summer that he had in downtown Tulsa, so I knew about it. But here the Lord said, I want you to go to Ramah. Whoa, I thought, I'm 21 years old. You want me to uproot me from my hometown that I've never left hardly and take my new wife and move to Tulsa, Oklahoma and go to college. So that's right. I went and told Susan. You remember this, Susan? And she said, you know, I've been feeling that same thing. I said, well, my, look at there. A few months later, June of 1980, we moved there. And you know, if I hadn't heard God say that, in fact, listen to this, the church I attended. I told them, we remember that, Susan? The church I attended. I told them, well, I believe it's God's will. My wife and I are going to move to Tulsa. And you know what the associate pastor said? He said, he come up to me later. He said, well, uh, Mitch, I want to share something with you. I believe it's God's will for you to stay right here and be trained right here in ministry. When he said that, I felt scratchy inside. Like, <laughs> he thinks he's hearing God, but I know I've heard God. And I, I, did, I wasn't arrogant. I just said, thank you. I appreciate that. But I knew that I had to go. And we left and went. And, and you know, the rest, is, the rest is history. In January 1985, was, listen, I was praying in the Spirit. And I knew that I knew that I knew. It was a January night. It was cold. I was walking outside with a big coat on. In Tulsa, the stars were bright that night. The moon, it was a moonlit night and the stars were bright. I was praying in the Spirit. And you know what I heard? You're going back to South Carolina to Pioneer Church. Three years later, three and a half years later, it happened. See, what am I trying to say? You pray about things that are in your life and you pray about them ahead of time. Before I came here, listen, in uh, 
November of 1993, I have a custom of praying in the Spirit every morning before I leave my house. And you know, I started out with five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like most people do. And then I work my way up till generally speaking, every morning, I pray about an hour in the Spirit. And then I take some time throughout the day to pray in the Spirit. And I, that's been my custom for decades now. And uh, so this, this particular morning, um, in 1993, it was a Tuesday morning, I was in our house in, uh, in, uh, in Florence, South Carolina, is where we lived. And uh, I was praying in the Spirit. And I was kneeling down praying. I used to walk around and pray because I would go to sleep on my knees. But, you know, you can train your body to be quiet and to stay awake. And I have trained now my body. I can stay awake while I'm on my knees. So I was praying on my knees. And while I was praying, I prayed in the Spirit for a while and then got really quiet. And, uh, and when I got quiet, I sat there for a few minutes and, you know, just worshiped more. And I heard three words. Three words. Now, see here, let me say something. When you're praying, God knows the context of your thinking. He knows what bothers you. He knows what you're wondering about. He knows what you need to do and what you're thinking about and what you want to ask Him before you even know. Jesus said your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him, right? So, I, you know, I'm sitting there and I heard three words and those words answered what I wondered inside. What's, what's the next thing for my life? I was pastoring a church for another pastor in my hometown. He was on the mission field and I took his church for him. And we paid his salary on the mission field. And his church, man, we gave him a great church back when he came back. And I knew he was coming back. He just was gone for one year. I knew he was coming back. And I wondered, what, God, what you've got for me? What have you got for me? That's the underlying thought pattern. I got up off that place of prayer and just sitting in the chair. And I heard already existing church. Real quiet. See, if you're not quiet, you won't hear it. Just for already existing church. Where did it come? It didn't come from here. It didn't come from out here. It came from here, in here. Already existing church. I didn't tell him. I didn't know what to do with it. What? And, and, and when God puts something in you, spiritual things never grow old and never fade away. They may produce emotion, but they're not emotion. They're, they're, they're realities. Six months later, that thought was still there and it had morphed into somewhere in the world there's a church that is pastorless that already exists and you're the pastor of that church. Already existing church. That's here. Y'all, God, I know I'm in the will of God because it came up from inside of me. Now let me tell you something. When you live that way, uh, it puts a settledness to life that nothing else can. And it puts a confidence in God in you that nothing else can. And then when you learn to listen, you get to a point in life, you're not afraid of anything. I didn't, I didn't remember this, but several weeks ago, you know, we're, in, we're not together, and that's why I forgot whatever week this is now. It's a couple of months. I was just sitting in my office. I'd been praying in the Spirit, and I heard, you need to go back and get your journal and look at it. I had forgotten. When you pray and, and God does these things, write them down because your mind will forget. And I shared this in a video last week, and if you haven't watched the video, go on our website, it's there. Or go on our Facebook page. I know it's there. Uh, Sunday, October 6th, we had a prayer meeting here um, for our church. And I usually sit on a stool right down here. And I sit on a chair. And then, you know, we just start praying. And I pray in the Spirit. And then I pray in the Spirit. And then pray in the Spirit. Pray in English. Pray in the Spirit. Because that's just kind of how you do it. And I'm trying to lead people in how you do that. Because some things are better caught than taught. And that's the reason I do it. So anyway, I was praying. And, and the Holy Spirit fell on me. And what it talks about, 1 Corinthians 12 happened, different kinds of languages came. Something I don't normally speak in, even when I'm talking to the Lord, it changed. And I knew, and then an interpretation came. And I wrote it down, and, and I've got it right here. I printed it out for my journal. I have an online digital journal now. And here's what I, here's what I wrote down. Uh, this is part of the interpretation came there. Now listen, this is, this is over six months ago. October 6th. 
2019. There is in our not too distant future a sudden challenge. I wrote it down. And then in parentheses, as a nation, I do not know what it is, but it will be a catalyst for Joel 2.28 to be made manifest. Now, God had me read that because let me just say, in the context of my praying here a few weeks ago, I was getting pretty aggravated. I was aggravated that the government was making us stay at home. I was aggravated about the whole thing, and I was ready to take, I was ready to take things, matters into my own hand. Make a stand. And I was getting pretty agitated about it. And the Lord said, go look at your journal. When I read that, and he said, what's happening now will be a catalyst for Joel 2.28. Well, my mind knew what Joel 2.28 says. It says, and it will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see Visions, your old men will dream dreams. On your servants and handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And I knew that what we're going through is a setup. That it's going to catapult the world into a situation where people will be wondering what the future holds and what life will be like. And for some people, for the first time in their life, they'll be open to God and to the things of God. Y'all? We're right at the edge of it right now. So we look at all this and we got empty chairs. I'm looking at your faces on the seats. We got a, you know, our support staff and such here. But you know what? I know when you get back, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, not even entered in the heart of man what God's prepared for us. Y'all, it's going to be amazing. Now I've got here, I've got several other things. I ran out of time. I've got some more things I could read. Go back and get that video I made this past week because I talk about what's been on my heart. This stuff weighs on me. I love you. You just don't know. I cry over you. I want you to have God's best. And I know the enemy, when we're separated, would, would want to get you back in the flesh, back in the natural, doing things you've got no business, acting out in ways you've got no... And I know that. But I also know the power of God's Word, the power of prayer, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I also know when we get back together, there's a tremendous moving of the Spirit that's coming. And God wants us to be ready.